Back to our law and justice lead right now. Police in Jacksonville, Florida are giving the most recent update into their investigation, detailing the moments of the racist shooter before he went to the Dollar General store where he killed three innocent African-Americans on Saturday. CNN's Isabel Rosales has more now on the deadly attack that was fueled by racism. Lieutenant Antonio Bailey hailed a hero for chasing off the gunman who later opened fire at a nearby Dollar General in Jacksonville, Florida on Saturday. That shooter first entered a parking lot at Edward Waters University, Florida's first historically black college. He could have gone anywhere. Uh, it's not by happenstance. It's not just, you know, on a whim that he chose to come to Florida's first historically black college or university. According to Jacksonville Sheriff T.K. Waters, police have not reported finding any firm evidence the suspect intended to attack the university. There were students um, that stopped me and um, in the parking lot and advised that there were gunmen. The shooter drove off after being approached by Bailey. To me, the students that, you know, we preach the same saying every day, uh, you see something, say something. And the students, they saw, they said, and I was able to approach that vehicle. I was definitely saddened. Um, that is indeed a, a tragedy. The scene of the tragedy that followed, now marked by flowers and crosses. A community grieving three killed Saturday in the racist attack. He hated blacks, and he, I think he hated just about everyone that wasn't white. Um, he made that very clear. Now, more information about the gunman, identified as 21-year-old Ryan Palmetter. Deputies released this edited surveillance video at the Dollar General store, showing him in a tactical vest armed with a handgun and an AR-15-style rifle with swastikas drawn on it. Then he opened fire. He understood what he was doing. He understood why he was doing it. The shooter had no criminal arrest history. The sheriff says he purchased a handgun in April and an AR-15-style rifle in June, both legally, despite as a teenager being temporarily and voluntarily held under Florida's Baker Act for mental evaluation for up to 72 hours. I don't know legally, uh, given the way the laws are written right now in the state of Florida, that there was anything that could have been done, and, and therein lies the frustration for me. The victims in Saturday's shooting identified a store employee, Annal Joseph A.J. Lagar Jr., and customers Angela Carr and Gerald Gallian. His killing leaves a four-year-old fatherless. We're just trying to figure out how to tell his daughter that her dad's gone. It's hurtful because I thought racism was behind us, but evidently it's not. The attack in Florida, the latest, and a number of shootings targeting black people, including at a supermarket in Buffalo, New York last year, and at Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina in 2015. I'm angry. Um, sad to realize we are in 2023 and as a black person we are still hunted because that's what that was that was someone planning and executed three people 
And uh, Jake, we have new information from a press conference that's happening right now at the sheriff's office. Uh, deputies revealing that the shooter previously worked at a Dollar Tree. This is a Dollar General where the shooting happened. They've also released three un, uh, new videos here. We're not sure of the chronological order of these videos, but I'll tell you what they indicate. Uh, the shooter going into a family dollar, a totally separate store. And then we have this video at Edward Waters University, the campus there, that HBCU. Uh, and we can see the shooter going behind a vehicle there and putting on a tactical vest. And of course, we know that after that, minutes after that, he showed up at this Dollar General. The final piece of video that authorities released just this moment is of police entering this Dollar General. And that is uh, when deputies say that the gunman took his own life. Jake. Isabel Rosales uh, in Jacksonville, Florida for us. Thank you so much. Uh, chilling video there. Saturday's racist shootings in Jacksonville cast a pall over what was supposed to be a day celebrating 60 years uh, of progress on civil rights in America. Activists gathered on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. to commemorate the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom and the Reverend Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech during the 1963 march, which uh, actually today is the 60th anniversary of it, but the commemoration was over the weekend. Um, we're joined now by Nicole Hannah-Jones, who covers uh, racial injustice and other stories and other topics for the New York Times Magazine and won a Pulitzer Prize for the magazine's landmark 1619 project describing the transatlantic slave trade and its legacy. Um, first of all, uh, Nicole, if, I, if it's okay if I call you Nicole, um, what's your reaction to this horrible shooting happening on the 60th, on the commemoration day at least, of the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom? Well, I think that it is um, an awful and uh, far too common reminder that as we seek to mark um, racism, racial injustice as a thing of the past, that it is with us every day, that we have not banished that ugly side of ourselves as Americans. And um, many people were seeing the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington as, you know, talking about what we were fighting against a long time ago. But in fact, it was evoking a history to say that the struggle for equality, the struggle to end racism, uh, the struggle to um, ensure and secure Black Americans' rights and full citizenship continues. And this is just um, a very um, devastating example of that. Obviously, some things have improved uh, for African Americans, for civil rights and voting rights and the like since 1963, the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act uh, among them. Do you, do you think a lot of the racism is just more politely shielded and hidden. Um, what, what's your take on how, how far we have come and how far we need to go as a society? Yes, I mean, I, I absolutely would not pretend that America in two, 2023 is the same as America in 1963. But what's also clear is that uh, we have forward progress and then we see retrenchment. And uh, we're clearly in a period of retrenchment. So. 
you know, on most measures, um, the Black-white poverty rates. Um, if you look at unemployment rates for Black Americans, they're still twice that of white Americans. The racial wealth gap has remained unchanged for Black Americans um, since Dr. King was assassinated. And the fact that we still see racialized violence regularly in this country shows that we still do have a long ways to go. You know, the Supreme Court just struck down affirmative action, which was trying to help address that legacy. We know that the Supreme Court struck down uh, the heart of the Voting Rights Act and that it is harder for Black Americans to vote than it was 10 years ago. So I think that in America, we become sometimes obsessed with this notion that progress, uh, forward progress is inevitable. But um, backward progress happens in this country as well. And whether we're moving forward or not really is largely dependent upon who we are as a society. And we're in a society today that is deeply polarized um, along racial lines and where uh, too many politicians understand that race is the original wedge issue and are creating the environment to see just the kind of violence that we witnessed in Jacksonville. But the wedge issues are discussed differently today, right? I mean, in 1963, we were just three years away from Lester Maddox, a, a, a proud racist segregationist in Georgia becoming the, the governor of Georgia. Uh, Lester Maddox could not exist today, but Lester Maddox would not talk the way he did then today were he running, right? I mean, it's different. What are the wedge issues today that you hear? Yes, I mean, absolutely. So, since 1968, um, it is no longer legal in this country to explicitly discriminate against Black Americans. So, of course, we've learned over the last um, 60 years that you have to use different language, that you have to use language that appears to be race neutral, um, but that sends the same dog whistle. So we can look at you know, Ron DeSantis running on this uh, platform of, uh, against what he's calling wokeism, but where those of us who study history, who understand um, uh, the society that we live in, understand that that's often coded as language against Black Americans, as language against um, other marginalized groups. And how do we know that? Well, he also banned the teaching of African-American um, advanced placement studies in the state. So yes, we, we do see a more coded language, but it's also... Uh, a language of, um, you know, that's not often that coded. I mean, Donald Trump is, you know, came to office on a pretty openly white nationalist campaign. Um, we see people like Tucker Carlson who are allowed to have a major platform on the most watched um, cable news television in the country and who um, openly talk to white nationalist talking points. So we kind of have this wink and a nod um, racism but it's, it's barely concealed, and all of us can hear it. Nicole Hannah-Jones, thanks for being with us uh, on this anniversary of the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. We appreciate it.